Welcome to Etchimon with Willis and Alex. The first episode of Etchimon for 2023. My name is Willis and I'm joined by Alex as usual. Hi, Alex. Hi, Willis. Hi, everyone. We're so excited to kick off this year with an episode looking at two very interesting words today. We're going to take a slight change to the sort of the approach that we've taken so far in former episodes. We're going to be looking at particular words this time around, that stem from the Bible. So instead of phrases like the Good Samaritan or by the skin of your teeth or labor of love, we're instead going to be looking rather at actual words that have been invented from particular early translations of the Bible in English. So this was Alex's idea in particular. So all the credit to him. Alex, I might just start off by asking you, what caught your attention with these words, if we may call them. Yeah, I guess these new words which have come from the Bible. What first attracted you to them? And what gives you interest in looking at the two words we're going to be doing today as well? These words being uh, quite random words in some sense, puberty and consumer. Go for it, Alex. Yeah. So (laughs) it's not really the words per se. I think pretty random journey to how I got to these words because I'm doing some study at the moment and these two words come from part of the Bible that's tangentially related to what I'm looking at. So I thought do both, right? Do a podcast and trick myself into kind of studying at the same time. And also Willis at his church studied this book for quite a few weeks, I believe, right? So I think while it's still fresh in his mind, it would be good to explore the context. So it was pretty, yeah, pretty random. It's a website that had listed words that apparently were first written in English in the Bible. So they were translating the Bible into English. And someone was like, oh, I thought that, you know, maybe puberty would be an appropriate word to use in this case. And that was the first time it was ever written in the English language. That's um, so funny. Literally comes from the Bible, interestingly enough. I don't know. I, I think Alex was less shocked than me, but I was just very shocked at the audacity of these early Bible translators to invent words. Like, I, like I knew like Shakespeare invented a bunch of words of New English words in his works, and I know that we have a bunch. Obviously, having done a podcast series now on phrases from the Bible, we know that a lot of new phrases in English owe their origins to the Bible as well. But new words, entirely new words, that just struck me as like a step up, next level. So I was super excited as well. They do strike me as quite random, um, puberty and consumer. But we're particularly keen to do these two words today because both of us have spent a bit of time in the particular book of the Bible from which these two words come from. That book being the book of Malachi or Malachi, as I <laughs> as I've heard. Um, oh, is think, that actually, I've never heard it pronounced. No, it's like. not. That's, that was really bad. Um, there used to be, um, well, not used to be, there is a little boy called Malachi, who I know, and there's an older man um, at the church in which this young boy called Malachi goes to, and this jokey old man will insist on calling him Malachi just to annoy him. <laughs> that's the only reason why whenever I think Malachi, I hear Malachi in my head. A fantastic prophet. And a fantastic yes. book in many ways as well. Keen to dive deep. And also, maybe we could do a quick sidetrack as well. Tell us a bit about your study, Alex. What are you studying at the moment, which involves studying Bible uh, books? Sounds like a really so strange are... thing to do. I, I I never studied anything in uni related to a Bible book. So yeah, 
Yes, there are actually educational institutions where you can study things related to Bible and theology, which is like the study of God. Currently doing a course focusing on, well, mainly just on one prophet in the Old Testament. And these were prophets who were writing after the exile. So what happened in Jewish history is that all the Israelites were kind of like exiled away from their homeland, which is today, you know, Israel, Palestine. And under the Persians, the Persians allowed them to return back to their homeland. So this is the context in which Malachi and a couple others, one of them is called Haggai. And in terms of weird name associations, I think of Maggie Noodles, you know, the brand of instant yes, noodles. Why do you think of that? It's, well, it's a double G Maggie. and ends in I, right? So Haggai. Anyway, um, yeah, I can't wait to that, a weird association there. Uh, my uh, brain is weird. Um, <laughs> and there's another one named Zechariah. I think it's where we get Zachary from. So these prophets they were in the context where there were Jews were ruled under the Persians. Economically, things weren't going great. They didn't have a king anymore. You know, for a while, they didn't have a temple either. And so it was kind of a odd time for the Jewish people. And it's interesting to reflect on what God had to say to them, you know, time where maybe there wasn't a lot of hope. Mm. Things were pretty like, where is God? What's he doing? It's kind of some of the complaints that seem to come through in the book that we're looking at. Definitely doesn't sound like peak civilization time for the Israelites. Just coming back from exile from the Persian Empire, coming back to their homeland in Jerusalem, which is far from the former glories of like King David or King Solomon's day hundreds of years ago, and still a couple hundred years out from Jesus being born as well. So this is the time period we're in. I think it's around 300 to 400 BC. Most people, according to biblical tradition, the book of Malachi was written uh, during this time. And maybe you can explain to us, what is a prophet? Yeah, Malachi is a prophet of the Old Testament. And he's writing, the technical word is an oracle of God in this book. What is this text that we have before us, Malachi? And what do Christians understand it to be in terms of its genre? Oh, that sounds like a pretty technical question. Yeah. I don't I know. Guess, so, yeah, maybe we can lay yeah. it out. Like, we've got different genres in the Bible, right? We've got like the most famous ones potentially are Jesus, like Jesus, gospel bi- stories, biographies. Right? Yeah, maybe yeah. just historical narrations and recounts biographical form we've also got Paul's letters different churches as well in the old testament Mm. in particular yeah we we have a bunch of people called prophets who write texts and i guess yeah it might be helpful i hope i hope it is helpful for people tuning in for us just to give them a brief and by us i mean you alex to give us a brief sort of overview of the genre of maybe of this book as well i'm sure you've got a lot to input there as well i actually Um, don't so (laughs) i don't yeah prophets are weird i don't know as in if I guess I've been a Christian for quite a while, so I don't know what it's like to think of prophets um, in a non-religious context, but I feel like maybe, yeah, for most Australians, if you talk about a prophet and it's not about money, (laughs) (laughs) sorry, um, it's kind of like, oh, someone who predicts the future, right, maybe, Mm -hmm. or someone who will will come in and, and speak a message of doom and gloom or you know the end is near maybe i don't, yeah, I don't I know is, prophecy, is that kind of, almost yeah is that what prophecy, prophets do maybe and it's you yeah. know associated with they're speaking something like a message from god i feel like some ways that's kind of what a biblical prophet is like in many ways it's also not there's a really <laughs> interesting way that i had like a lecturer put it is that in a way prophets were kind of like 
the equivalent of kind of like a cabinet minister in like Australian oh, politics. I don't know if you've ever heard that before. But um, when <laughs> when Israel had kings, prophets were kind of seemed to be like these advisor people and they might get caught up or they might go straight to the king and deliver a message. Most often the king would not listen, but they were still kind of there. They were like, they still seemed to be important people. Often they were disrespected, not listened to, but they did have a, a very public role in society, it seems. I don't really know what the equivalent would be in today's society. Maybe some sort of civic community leader, but obviously they claim to be speaking on God's behalf. There's a message from God to his people. Which has been most often through this medium, or main medium is yes, a strong word. Most likely, I guess, it was spoken and then written down later, um, mm. so that there was a message from God, supposedly at least. A prophet delivering a message from God, spoken and or written. There were definitely false prophets as well. It's like anyone could claim to be a prophet of God. And so that, that was a big problem as well. Definitely something we can discuss more in depth another time, yeah. perhaps. Maybe we should yeah. explore what the actual message is then of Malachi. Exactly. No, that's a helpful summary. So hopefully you're keeping track with us at the moment. And if you're not, it's our fault and not yours. Yeah, we're looking at a book called Malachi, one of the very last book of the Old Testament, actually, at least in the order that we have in our modern day Bibles. It's by a, a guy called Malachi, who's one of the last prophets, a prophet being someone who speaks God's words or delivers a message from God to God's people. And Malachi has this message from God to deliver. And in his delivery of this message, I guess these two words as that original message from was written down in 300 to 400 BC, gradually makes its way to being translated over to English hundreds, um, even even a thousand, more than a thousand years later, we see these two words pop up, puberty and consumer. So how about you kick us off, Alex? Give us a brief overview of the context in which the word puberty is invented from the book of Malachi, yeah. or at least the English translation of the book of Malachi. Go for it. It would be good to get a context of what this book is about. Looking through yesterday, it's pretty interesting that the book of Malachi is framed, I think the technical word is disputations, but it seemed to be like accusations kind of from God and even from people. God might be saying something and people would be responding. And I think one of the very first ones is God says, I've loved you. That's what he says to his people. And the people are like, how have you loved us? Which might be interpreted quite cynically. Maybe a lot of people today think that way as well. It's like, if God really loves us, then how have you shown it? So it's really interesting, I thought, how it was kind of framed in that way. It's almost like a dialogue with his people. And it's in one of these dialogues that the word puberty shows up, apparently for the first time in English, because they were translating the Bible from Latin into English, because back then church was all in Latin. And even all writing was in Latin in the similar way that English is the international language today. But obviously, a lot of people in England didn't know Latin. Most of them weren't able to read even. So some people thought it's a good idea to translate the Bible. Today, we would use the word youth or adolescence. But whoever translated it at that time borrowed the word pubertas from Latin. The specific context of that phrase, I think, is talking about marriage. And that if people want a, a reference, this is Malachi chapter 2, verse 14 as well. Thanks, Willis. Um. <laughs> Something about people are not being faithful, I guess it's speaking to the men, you're not faithful to the wives of their youth or of their puberty in, in that context. Which and yeah, it's one of the, is this one from? This is the Wycliffe Bible. So this is like solid 200 years or so before Shakespeare, the first complete English Bible translation, apparently. So 
God is like criticizing them, I guess, for their unfaithfulness to each other. So it's a social problem, but also to God. They haven't been faithful to God. And maybe that's kind of no wonder they weren't experiencing the blessing that he had promised them. There was like a covenant in the Old Testament. God has saved Israel. And if you follow my ways, then I will bless you in these ways. And things pretty much go wrong from day one or even before that. As in, yeah, there's just been a long history of Israel not being faithful. But the comforting thing, I guess, is that God has always been faithful. It's even engaging with them, having a dialogue with them and encouraging them to turn back, which I think is a pretty relevant message for us today, I suppose. Mm. Clarification once again. The word puberty comes from Malachi chapter 2, verse 14 in Wycliffe's Bible translation. So that's our first word. And the second one is the word consumer. This one comes a bit later in Malachi. It's the same theme as well, where once again, God is disputing with the Israelites of the day and accusing them of not giving their best to him. And in this context, what they haven't been doing, Alex touched on the unfaithfulness in the context, particularly of divorce and marriage, and how the Israelites were being unfaithful to God in their relations with each other, particularly to their wives, where men would divorce their wives to marry people from other nations and just not be faithful to the wives which they had married from their youth. And another form in which God's people weren't giving their best to him was in the context of what we call tithing, the giving of financial contribution to the temple. So back in Israel's day, as sort of citizens of Israel and as instructed by God to his people, the people of Israel were required to give what we call tithes, which just means a tenth, a tenth of their financial earnings to God, to the temple. And this is a way of showing honor to him. And this practice had become more and more inconsistent and had completely seized. And I think it was from this sort of heart issue where people were expecting so much of God, but not giving much of themselves to him, that God accuses them of robbing him. But he doesn't leave it there in the sense of negativity. God starts off, first of all, by saying that because he doesn't change, you, therefore, are children of Jacob. You, therefore, you people of Israel, are not consumed, not destroyed. Because once again, just because people have been unfaithful to God, God is establishing his faithfulness to them. And he goes so far as to even encourage the people of Israel to test him. We see in verse 10 to 11, this word consumer comes in. God encourages the people of Israel to bring in the full tithe, to contribute and financially give of themselves to him financially properly. And he uses the language of opening up windows from heaven to bless the people of Israel. Particularly, there appears to be at the point in time in which Malachi was writing this book, some sort of crop-destroying pest or a bunch of crop-destroying pests which were really causing havoc in the agriculture of Israel at the time. And this is the word that in one of the earlier Bible translations, once again, these locusts or these pests uh, are described as consumers. Our more modern translations today uses the word devourer, for example. But I think that the context is pretty clear. They are consuming or devouring the crops of Israel. And God says that if Israel would only turn to him and honor him as, as their Lord in terms of their financial giving, God will rebuke the devourer or the consumer and the fruit that the people of Israel are growing won't fail to bear. They will produce after that. Come test the goodness and faithfulness of God is God's plea to them. Or God has pleased too strong a word, but God's sort of request to them, come do this. And these are the origins of the two words. But Alex, how does this book of Malachi speak into the lives of Christians today? And what would be the call for people who aren't Christian who are tuning in? 
I think in so many ways, it's pretty relevant, the social background at that time, as in often in our lives, we might feel like God isn't there, God has abandoned us or whatever, or, you know, where is God? And I think all of us, whether you're religious or not, Christian or not, probably have felt that to some degree. But God is saying he, he's always been there and his love is always there. He's asking his people or asking people to experience it, to come and experience his blessing. I think Jesus talks a lot about that, come to me and have life and life to the full and all these sorts of really amazing things, which I'm sure lots of Christians can personally testify to. I definitely can. Since after becoming a Christian, I think my life has definitely changed for the better. I don't even know if I'd be here today if it wasn't for God. I think it's an encouragement. And it's also really interesting just how the book is structured, as in uh, people are kind of get to speak back to God and God is being patient with them and almost engaging in a dialogue and showing people, well, it's, to put it bluntly, maybe it's not me, it's you. You know, maybe it sounds a bit accusatory, but it's very much God has always been faithful, even though they couldn't experience it and they didn't really experience that tangible blessing of Jesus until a few hundred years later. God's promises still haven't failed, and I think it's worth trusting. It's just a book where we see God's faithfulness. As I, yeah, I was just telling Alex earlier before we started recording it, this podcast, God's faithfulness to his people is just more striking because it's contrasted by the unfaithfulness of God's people to him. The faithfulness of God that we as Christians today in no way deserve, no one in this world deserves, but come taste and see, as Alex says, just how good and faithful God is to those who trust in Jesus. And it's a free offer. Come experience and have this living water for getting more symbolic. And if you'd like to talk more with Alex and I, feel free to do that. We hope you enjoyed this episode. We're not sure if we'll continue to do this sort of approach where we're looking at actual new words from Bible, we might in the future, it's a new option. Let us know your thoughts as well. Would you like to see more of this? I was just very excited to see, I guess, that the Bible not only was the origin of new phrases, but also of new words entirely. Do let us know if you'd like to see more of this. Thanks so much for tuning in again. This is Willis and Alex checking out. Thanks, everyone.